Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here. This week I've got with me Don Boggs. How you doing, bud? Hey, doing good, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm finally able to kind of walk. Well, so one of the reasons I, I wanted to have Don on, we, we've had him before. You guys know Don. He's been my best friend since we were a kid. I talk about him all the time. He's kind of a jerk, but we, we want to talk about what we did last weekend and why I can now finally walk again. Ah, so Yeah, that was, so how that was a heck of an adventure last week. It was, it was. So for those that don't know, Don and I did the Light at the End of the Tunnel Marathon. And it's a really cool marathon. It's 26.2 miles. I would highly recommend it. A great group of people, um, a great marathon. But you start at Hyatt and you go, in, which is Snoqualmie Pass, you go through a 2.8-mile-old railroad tunnel with no lights. You have to have a headlamp and down to North Bend. So it's pretty much a like a steady 1%, 2% grade downhill the whole time. It's actually really cool. But so... For those that don't know, that's why we're, we're talking about how I can barely walk and asking kind of how are you feeling after that? Well, you know, after, if you go back in history, um, we did the Seattle Marathon a couple of years ago together. And after that, I was barely able to move. I had to have my kid help carry me into the house. It was a, yeah. a heck of an experience, and I, I didn't even get a damn medal. So yeah. <laughs> um, this Sunday, I, I got back out and got out of your place and drove home. I was actually able to walk into the house on my own. Um, had a couple blisters, nothing nearly like what you posted on uh, Facebook there, but uh, oh, yeah. you know, I had to take care of one of them because it was pushing my toes apart when I walked and it just felt weird. And uh, aside from that, uh, you know, I've been just cooking and working. Uh, this week I had to host a barbecue at work and feed a couple hundred people. So Yeah, see, I, I've... Um... I've really, really been thinking about why I got those blisters because, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's gear, whatever. Those are literally the exact same, not the same shoes, but the same model, same year, everything of shoe that I wore in the last marathon. And the same exact models, everything socks. So, I mean, it wasn't like I went to a whole new gear setup for this race. I mean, you know, I'd worn those shoes when we do our walks. I mean, there wasn't maybe 50 miles on those shoes. So, I mean, they weren't, like, overly broken in or too new. The only thing I can think is the downhill because I, I don't – I'm not one that likes my shoes really tight. My shoes are usually a little bit loose. That's just normally how I wear them, even when I'm doing OCRs. They're a little bit loose because that's how I like – that's what feels right to me. And I think what it was is because of that, my feet were sliding in my shoes as we're going downhill because, you know, you got that constant, like, down, you know. And I think that's what did it. Because there's some that was my problem. Once if it's not for the blisters, my legs are fine. I could get up and walk around. I could get up and go do ten miles tomorrow if not for the feet. My feet, my legs are fine. Good. I'll see. I'll see, I'll see. at six a.m. We'll go do ten miles. We'll see about how the feet are doing. They're doing much better <laughs> today because I found if I don't wear shoes, I feel better. So literally, like I've had shoes on for maybe like forty-five minutes the last two days. I'll wear shoes to walk from the car to the house or my office. And the second I sit down in my office, my shoes are kicked off under my desk. So, and when I'm driving, I've been kicking them off. So if I'm not wearing my shoes, I'm fine. That, that Where that rubbing is, it's on the side of my foot. And literally I can walk barefoot without any, any issue with my, my feet. So, yeah. You, you know, you, you brought up gear there for a second because I was kind of everyone's, even I put a joking stab at it out there on uh, Facebook about yeah. your shoes. But uh, going from the Seattle Marathon, my feet looked like Freddy Krueger's feet after the Seattle Marathon. And and at this one, because I actually wore the right shoes and the right socks, they looked pretty good afterwards. I didn't look like uh, somebody had just taken a hot poker and burned the hell out of my feet. Yeah. So gear, again, the more more that I've been racing, the more that I've been doing some more in endurance stuff which was never my actual plan but seems to be where we seem to be heading more and more because i'm always pushing for more miles every weekend and you know the only way we're going to get our ultras if we get out there and we get our marathon down under five hours so yep that's going to be a heck of a, a heck of a thing that means we're going to be running which means uh means we just got to keep practicing you know doing that uh 
tunnel marathon a couple times a year, I think, is a real good practice for us. Uh, yeah, uh, I've already again. kind of posted posted on Facebook, and I uh, think someone else is going to join us in uh, September volunteering so we can have our guaranteed spot for, for June of next year. And, uh, yeah, I definitely want to do June of next race. year. So. And the one thing I figured out, too, is because, I mean, normally I'm so used to taking a pack, and honestly, we would have been fine without it. I never once, the only thing I did is I grabbed the pineapple out of your pack at one point, and that's it. Other than that, I never used the water. I never used anything else out of the pack because they were so good on this marathon that literally it was about every three to three and a half miles, you had a water station with you. So you didn't need anything. I think they, had it, they were right there for you. Yeah, I think earlier on there was actually more water stations because uh, we were, of course, the, the last runners. Um, we were. But, you know, what do you expect? We're uh, a couple of fat guys trying to figure out how to run down a hill. <laughs> yep. But but early on, it seemed there was more more water stops and goose stops and first aid stops than there was later in the race. And, uh, you know, that, that was one thing, you know, the Seattle Marathon and, and Spartan and all the other races that we've done, I've never seen a race with so much support on the course, honestly. Oh. That was, uh, it was that was definitely a new experience. Yeah, um, hats off to Tunnel yeah. Marathon for putting it on like that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it was it was every three to three and a half miles. There was a water station with goo, with volunteers cheering you on, and and everything else. And I mean, it was great. I mean, it was awesome. I, I was very impressed. I mean, there's really nothing bad I can say about Tunnel Marathon. They put on a great. Marathon. Yeah, that was a, a real good one, and I'm looking forward to coming back and, and doing it again. Um, like I was telling you, my first goal was to get a get a marathon finished, and my next goal is going to be to shave an hour or more off of it. So yeah, um, which I can actually say I did. Yep, you shaved an hour off of your Seattle time, and yep. Now I just have to keep working and get to a point to where when we do Seattle, I need to shave another half, another hour off. So and. Um, I do have, just so you know, I, I, I'm, I have made a deal with a personal trainer. I will be doing their uh, wedding for them, and she, she's going to help make it so that I'm not fat when they get married. So I'm, I'm going to, yeah, she's going to help me not be fat. A, how are you going to perform a huh? wedding if you're not uh, fat? Because you got to be the dude. Whatever. Just because I I'm mean, part it's of the church. Of the church. I'm a, I'm in, it's the, the church of the Latter-day dude. So I know. We're, we're, we're yeah. both ministers, actually. Yeah. That's a funny yeah. thing. But... Yeah, I'm going to yeah, uh, in the Church of Latter-day Dude. So, no. So, yeah. Now, I, that'll be cool. That'll be nice. Deal. Yeah, one of the things that you and I were talking about was uh, under 200 this year because we're both uh, a ways off from that. And, uh, you know, yep. exercise is going to be a key part. But then we're going to be talking about uh, diet as the year goes on. Um, yeah, I've been talking with Coach Brandon a little bit about diet going in and out of races and stuff like that. Uh, just trying to get uh, my head in the game and perform better and and this yeah. last weekend, uh, I felt like I, I performed real well. Um, you know, the, I think I, one of the things we should, I was going to say, I think one of the things we should do is maybe talk about the actual race itself, starting with uh, how it started up in Hayek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing. I mean, you know, it starts at, you know, like you said, it starts at Hayek, and it's a cool little, it's the, what are they, it's the John Wayne Iron Horse, whatever. It's got like four different names, but they're actually renaming it within the next. Ooh, that's kind of a weird noise. They're renaming it within the next couple, uh, like I think months, and it's going to be I think the Palouse, the Pacific Trail, or something like that, because it goes all the way across the state. But yeah, it goes. It's an it goes all the way over into Idaho. Yeah, Idaho. But it, uh, yeah, it's an old railroad track. But the track's gone, obviously. It's just a, a trail now. But it goes when it starts within the first half a mile, I think it is you go into the tunnel, and the tunnel is, I think, 2.8 miles long, right? Yep, that's, uh, that sounds about right. What, what kind of caught me off guard, uh, you know, I kind of was expecting it, and, you know, you notice I showed up wearing pants to a race, which is like a first. But, uh, but yeah, I, I had to dress for the weather because I think one of the things when it comes to planning to Seattle, we're going to have to go and, and kind of learn from, from dressing in layers and, and yeah. whatnot, uh, but it was 30, what was it, 38 degrees at the starting line up there when we started. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they didn't didn't have uh, any coffee or refreshments. It was just a parking lot where you picked up your stuff and got ready. And lots of people and huddling and uh, yeah, a lot of people huddling in the uh, astronauts or the fire 
blankets, whatever you want to call those. Uh, yep. And then right into a tunnel. And a nice, long, dark tunnel. You don't have a headlamp or anything. You're you're uh, going to have a rough night, I think. Um, yeah. Speaking of the tunnel, I, I shared a post today. I saw that they're doing a, a tunnel glow 5 I did see that. A glow 5 k in the tunnel. That that. amazing. So, Unfortunately, but, uh, I'm not going to be in town. Yeah, and the one thing is, too, is, I mean, what's funny is, like, speaking of the headlamp, I've had my headlamp. I think I bought it on the way to Montana. Oh, okay. Sorry, my wife's giving me that look like you're an asshole and you forgot how, where you really got this. So, apparently, she gave me that one for Christmas, like, two years ago? <laughs> yeah. So, she gave me that one for Christmas two years ago. I have So, it's been on, what, 15 Spartan races in my pack and never once been used. So this was the first time that I've literally actually had to turn it on in a race. I've always yeah, had and there's no time. choice on that. No, there's no choice. You need light. I mean, it's dark. It's you get a half what well, we half a mile probably in before you could even see the little pinprick dot that was the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, it it's in a way yep. before you even see that. You can even see that light. I mean, it's dark. It's pitch black. It's amazing. So I'm definitely looking forward to that next year. So. Um, one of the things I was talking with a couple of friends, you used to be able, they didn't chain the doors on that, uh, when it first became a trail. And I guess if you try to actually close the doors on that, it takes a dozen guys to close the doors because it's actually doors that close on both ends. Yeah. That was an interesting, interesting thing to learn about. He said that they would all sit there and four and five, six guys pushing on it. The wind pressure is just too much. Just that little bit of wind pushing through that tunnel up against the mountain just well, and you can feel it. I mean, it, you can feel that wind, and it's cold in there. So, I mean, that was the nice part, too, is the way they set it up, too, is because, of course, when you first start, you're going through that tunnel. You're going through everything else. It's cold. You know, so when I started, I actually – I didn't want to wear pants because I figured I was going to overheat if I wore pants. So, I just wore shorts, my, you know, and, but I took a hoodie with me, but it was a light hoodie. And once you finish with the going through the tunnel, they actually give you a bag at the start for you to put all of your gear in when you come out of the other side of the tunnel so that you can have that extra layer. So when you come out of the other side of the tunnel, you take off your headlamp, you take off that extra layer, you throw it in the bag, and then off you go. Because, I mean, I even had a beanie on going into the, you know, if you look at the pictures in the very beginning of the race, we both had beanies. Yep, I was Waldo. Yep, we had beanies and we had, you know, hoodies on and everything else because it was cold. But then once we got on the other side of the tunnel, it actually warmed up. So it was really good to be able to get rid of all that gear. So, yeah. Yeah, I heard last last year's race, it, uh, it rained on them, and it was uh, not near as warm of an experience as we got to encounter, where at the end of the race, we were actually hot and sweating more from the heat than the exercise. Yeah. Hey, I got some girl to pour water so, over me, so I was happy. There you go. Yeah, they poured all the water left all over you. Um, <clears throat> so once we got out of the, uh, the tunnel there, it's just 26 miles of 1% to 2% downhill grade, or 23 miles left of it, I guess. And yeah, they lied. There's, there's, there's two spots where you actually kind of go uphill. So they lied. It's not completely downhill. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, it's like a 1% grade uphill for about uh, 100 feet. So yeah, it's not like we're not just, talking Montana hills. So. No, no. There's Now, again, we could always go do it backwards, 2,000 feet of oh, incline yeah. at a 1% to 2% Ooh, grade. That would hurt. That would hurt. Maybe we should do thirteen. Maybe we should do thirteen of that sometime. We should. I mean, I think it'd be yep. fun to go up there and do a hike up there. I mean, you know, get the family, get everyone together, and go do a hike up there. I think that would be actually quite fun. But um, well, pretty much like right outside of right outside of North Bend, there they had all the rock climbing and all the trails intersected with it. That too. was really cool. Yeah, as you went down the trail, there was actually a bunch of rock climbers on the side of the trail climbing up the side of the mountain, which was really cool. So you're kind of watching them as you go by. So yeah, yeah. So, like you said, it was kind of one of those things once you come out of the tunnel and then it was, like, downhill. And, I mean, it was – we went downhill for a long time. There's some really cool – I mean, you stay pretty much just to the, what, south side of I-90 pretty much. So, I-90 is on your right side pretty much the whole time as you're going down. And you can hear it and see it. And you're basically just going down the hill. There's a lot of really cool, like, bridges and stuff like that that you go over. And you're looking down, you know, at the valleys below you. I mean, it was really – it was a very pretty, very – if it were just for the views, I like it better than any race I've done in season. So the views were amazing. So Yeah, I think yeah. I think that most of the people that listen to this are probably friends with at least one of us can see it all the pictures that we posted in the uh, yeah in the 
photo book on Facebook because uh, there's a lot of pictures and some videos taken. Uh, just it, it's amazing when you're out there and just all you can see for miles is is the valley and and there's spots before you, you know, hook up with I-90 and you just look out and boom, it just looks awesome out there. Yeah, it's a it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous trail. And I mean, people know who listen to the podcast know that's one of the things I love. If I'm out on a course and I'm getting just beat, I love having a great view. That's why I love Montana. That's why I love Hawaii is the fact that I may be feeling like I'm dying, but I ha- at least I'm dying with a beautiful view. So, yeah. But, so, yeah, that, that was one thing that was really good about it was the view. So, and then basically, like I said, you come out of the tunnel, you can drop off the gear. There's a water station and with goo right there in the bathroom, and then off you went. So, I mean, what, that first portion, what were your thoughts as you were doing that first you know, that first portion going down the hill, that first half. So the first half, uh, I thought we were making pretty good time. Uh, found out when we got home we that, well, we were, except uh, one of the things that, we that my watch did. Yeah, my watch uh, lost GPS for a second and added about a mile to us and uh, made us feel a little more confident about our time. We had a, a seven-and-a-half-hour time hack officially. And officially, they, yeah. started us, they started us 12 minutes late. And when we got to the to the half point, we felt like we were doing really good. And, and honestly, you know, through that first 13 miles, you know, I was feeling pretty good. Uh, yeah, I was really, I, I felt really good until probably about 18 miles. About, about 18 yeah. miles is where things started changing a little for me. And uh, now just coming down that hill, I mean, it was easy. It wasn't hard on my hips or my ankles. Um, you know, I've been following some instruction from. Uh, from Ted on the the ankle exercises, yeah. and uh, I think I think those same exercises are actually helping with my hip flexors because nice. honestly, Monday morning I was able to walk. Two weeks previously, yeah. uh, I was still struggling after a, a six or a ten mile walk um, with my hips the next morning, and uh, so I don't know if it's just the repetitive mileage that finally kicked in, or is the fact that I was exercising my ankles, but uh, you know because yeah. you're using that using that pillow under your foot, that, that air pillow, and you're trying to keep your balance and it's making you work your ankle and your knee and your hip, you know, just everything's having to work to keep you, keep you centered and keep your core centered while you're moving your foot around the clock. So, um, and doing all that stuff made me feel a lot better. So yeah, the first 13 miles, easy, easy pace. Uh, we probably weren't doing, we're probably the first half. I mean, Honestly, probably closer to a 17-minute mile, which to make time, we needed 17.30, so we should have made time just fine. Uh, my watch showed us at 16 and some change, and that's where we kind of yeah. got off on our pace and maybe got a little little confident and slowed down a little bit in places that we, we maybe should have and, and kept our pace. Yeah. Well, and part um, of it, too, was you have a faster walking pace than me, or, you know, the, the pace, the, your average pace. Like when you're normally moving as faster than me, but I'm more of what you call, what do you call it? The fart running or whatever you call it, where pretty much I have a slower pace normally, but I have that little bit of a, like a jump. So you would get out in front of me a little bit, but then all of a sudden I would run up and catch up to you because I had that energy or, you know, that I was, I could do that. And that's just my style and then run up, catch up to you. And then I was good. And then I'd kind of back off a little bit and then I catch up. So, I mean, I, I, I do that. That's always been kind of my, and I think it's because when I ran before, I did a lot of interval training. So I'm really good at that, like, kind of little bit at slower, slower pace and then speed up for a little bit and then slow down again. And that's kind of what I, I was doing a lot in that first half mile. Half, or not half mile, first half of the marathon. I said the first half mile, you were uh, fearing the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, shut up. But, yeah. But, no, that that was working out real well for us. Uh, you know, I was using my watch to pace time. And, and yeah, so I was definitely walking honestly a little bit more than my my usual pace i wasn't quite you know at my at my top walking pace uh but i was definitely trying to keep the pace because you know it's a freaking marathon it's not a sprint so i gotta keep pace i don't want to sit there and burn myself out early and uh like i said that that glitch on my on my watch really really kind of screwed me up because i thought we were doing better so maybe i was going a little slower than i should have been for a while um yeah either way i mean the, the important thing you know what I got this really cool medal. You know, that means I have two medals this year or this past year that have a tunnel on the medal. And I thought that was really yeah. cool. So, so do I, and I don't like tunnels. So, 
Yeah, the other one. Yeah, which I think you posted something about that. Yeah, I think you posted something about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really have. A, I have a thing. I don't really like tunnels, and yeah, I've done two mar- two ra- runs this year that had involved tunnels. So, yeah. yep, that's uh, definitely. It was a big difference. Though. I mean, the the tunnel, uh, the eight k that we did, where you got everybody hooting and hollering and screaming. And oh, that was weird. Thousands of people. Yeah, thousands of people in a tunnel. That's very different from from what we did uh, with the tunnels, lights, or tunnel into the light, or yeah. I, the tunnel marathon. That's a lot of people calling it. Yeah, yeah. There you go. For me, it was one of those. This tunnel did not bother me as much, and I don't know if it's. I think it's pretty much like you pointed out. Is there wasn't? We were slow enough that most of the people got ahead of us, so there really wasn't a whole lot of hooting and hollering and in the tunnel like there was. You know, when we did the, you know, the tunnel, the viaduct. Tunnel, the viaduct. Yeah. So it was a lot quieter in there. There was really only, you know, the only people I knew and noticed was we had the sweeper behind us on his bike, you know, and some kids behind us on their bike. And other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of noise. So it was just, it's quiet. And, you know, my headlamp, and I mean, I don't know if anyone saw the video that I took. Even in the video, you can't see, it's pitch black, even with that. And that was my headlamp all. So, um, so. What else is going on? In, what else is going on in that first 13 miles? Um, you know, we were going, we had a real good conversation going. We did. We're we all were talking. You know, we're keeping good. Up. And I know for that first yeah. 13, most of that first 13 miles, talking to the sweeper that was basically, he was on a bicycle and kind of would go in front of us and then back up, come back behind us and go behind us. And it was just kind of doing circles around us, really. It kind of, in a way, kind of made me feel like I was going way too slow. But according to him, we were only about a half a mile off the people in front of us for that first, like, 13 miles. They were, We were only a little bit. So we weren't really that far behind the pack. So, yep. No, we were uh, we were only a little bit off pace of the pack. Uh, now a little bit later on, after after mile 18, where I just got into my head and just kind of did my own thing. Um, yeah. I actually ended up catching I ended up catching up to the the person in front of us. Yeah. Um, and she she had actually started at 6:58, I think. So I actually beat her by 12 minutes, 14 minutes, even though we finished at the same nice. time. So that was a, an interesting thing to, to learn when I got home. But uh, well, and the one thing that yeah, I mean, that, first, that was cool. Oh, sorry. I, was I was say, the one say, thing you know, that was cool was this, half, damn it. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. They, they they started in waves, but it was it was two waves. There wasn't that many people when I did my first like Seattle Rock and Roll Marathon back in 2010. I think they were they had waves, but it took me 45 minutes before my wave came up and I got it go. So it was crazy. This was, I mean, because it's not that huge, and they cap it. I mean, they make sure it's not huge. They cap it at a certain amount. So, I mean, it's, you know, I think 800 people were able to sign up and 500 showed up. So 500 something. So, I mean, it's, it's capped at a very small amount. So that makes it a lot better, you know, honestly, in my mind. So, yeah. yeah, I mean that was that was the thing is when I when I signed us up for it, you know, I saw it and I was like, you know what, that's the one I'm going to do. It's it's 12 miles or sorry, 12 miles, 26 miles yeah. all downhill. That's a great perfect. I'm going to actually finish this one. I don't have to worry about it. You know, I, I got inside my head and just I was good to go. And then all of a sudden, when I signed up, five minutes after I signed up, I get an email saying that spots are almost full. So I text you, yeah. and I'm like, hey, Mike, you going to sign up? <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, I'll like, yeah I'm going to sign up. And then when I get paid on Friday, and then all of a sudden, you just sign, I get an email that says, hey, you're signed up. Yep. Next yeah. Friday wasn't going to work. So. Yeah, fair enough. So that, that first but, uh, half, I mean, what, is there anything else you can think of in that first half that really happened? I mean, the first half was probably the the – the least eventful of the race. Yeah, no, the first half it was it was pretty easy going, uh, just checking pace. You were yo-yo running, which is probably a better way to put it the way that you were doing it because you just drop back and then come back, caught like you were a yo-yo string, um, and just which, kind of kept coming I mean, back and forth. And- yeah, we've mentioned it before in the, in on the podcast, but it's one of those things that I started doing, you know, because I got so used to the interval training on – the treadmill on the the elliptical and everything else when I was losing weight last time in like 2010 and the person I ran with, that was how she would get me to be, get better my time. My friend, Michelle, um, who I did the, the rock and roll with and a couple other races, she would pretty much point out and she'd be like, okay, we're going to run to that time. And it gave me a, a, a point to run to rather than we're going to run for, you know, until I'm tired. Cause honestly, as a person, 
you're going to get tired about 50 feet before you would if you just pointed out or even longer than that if you just pointed that sign you're going to pace yourself and you're going to push yourself to get to that sign so and that's kind of how she would push me so that's what i do a lot of times when i'm doing these races and what i would do with dawn was pretty much i would slow down because i had a slower pace you know a normal slower normal pace but then all of a sudden i would see him and go okay i'm going to run up to you know, those cones that are in the middle of the, you know, the trail because there's a hole, and I'm going to run up to those. And then I would run up to those, and once I caught my breath, I would do it again. So, yeah, that's, that's what you mean by the yo-yo. Yeah, and in hindsight, um, I probably should have, when you would pass me, I would go ahead and jog with you. What I should have done yeah. was probably just left you ahead of me and uh, and caught back up to you and passed you. That way you had a little more time to uh, catch your breath. Um now, going into this, I mean, the, the biggest trouble was I continued training every weekend and a few times during the week, and you were healing from surgery, and you weren't allowed to do anything but sit on your couch, eat potato chips, and play video games. Pretty much. So, I mean, that's, that, that's that, what I got to I gotta make sure that, that that's done. I don't do that anymore. You know, I've got the elliptical now. I've got an, a, a treadmill. I've got bands, I've got weights at my house. So, I mean, I've just got to put together a plan for myself and stick to it. I'm doing it every day and just going for it. So, yeah. So, um, and yeah. the thing with, uh, the thing with the elliptical, the thing with the treadmill, the bands, all that stuff, you know, you as a person, and you, know, you hear it on the previous podcasts, instead of going for length and stamina, you're always just about pounded out as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And you go ahead and uh, put it on max max tension or most incline and, and you sit there and you push yourself real hard and you know, yeah. training for a, for a marathon or honestly training for a faster beast or training for an ultra from what I've gathered, it's, it's more about that constant pace and it's not push yourself to it the is. lead. It's, you know, it is a different form of race. It is. And part of it, I think for me is, I mean, if you remember, I mean, really as kids, what did I do for sports? I did tennis I did racquetball, I did baseball, everything else, things that were pretty much, I needed those quick, like, strong legs to go for 90 feet at a time. And that was it. If I had to run more than 90 feet, it meant I hit a good, really good double, and I was going to be huffing, huffing and puffing when I came up to second. So, I mean, it, it's, I, I didn't run more than 90 feet at a time because every sport that I did was a quick, I just needed that quick movement I, and for a quick sprint. When I was younger, I mean, you have to admit, I had a quick sprint. I could sprint fast for about 90 feet. After that, I was done. Mountain biking, I could mountain bike all day long and straight up hills, whatever, because I had those powerful legs. But I never really got into the endurance part of trying to run for long periods of time. And that's what I'm trying to get myself back into when I was doing, you know, the training back in 2010 and everything like that when I lost all the way the first time. I had gotten to that point where I was cranking it down. I wasn't cranking it all the way up. I was keeping, you know, a lower key, but I would still do interval where I would go for a lower, like a lower tension for a while. And then all of a sudden I would crank the tension up and run like hard. And I think part of it though was, is I had, it was always on my lunch break. So I had 45 minutes. It was pretty much what can I do in 45 minutes so that I have enough time to take a shower and get back to my desk within my hour break, you know? So well, now i got to get rid of the, that, that mentality of it's said, not 45 minutes. It's, you know, I need to get myself for two hours, three hours, and just go. So yep, Exactly. That's, uh, that's why, based on the uh, the sunshine, I've been starting us earlier and earlier on the, the Saturday morning meetups um, so that we yeah. have more and more time. Um, last Saturday before the marathon, I went out and I did 10 miles in two and a half hours. And, you know, that really helped out, um, you know, because I did – 10 miles that day, six another day, three, one, you know, I just different lengths, but I just dedicated the time to do it and, and just did it. Uh, and that's something that we got to just keep doing all summer. And, and again, going into the winter, um, you know, I've got a lot of camping and stuff coming up, but uh, at the same time, I'll be texting you at six in the morning or something on Saturday morning being like, all right, get your ass up. Let's go. And yeah. you can exercise up at the park and I'll exercise wherever I'm at. Exactly. And, I mean, I need to work a little bit into it so it's not just the running. I need to work in some of the weights. And, like I said, I've got a little bit of weight. And I've got, I think, two different sets of bands that I got for – it was either Christmas or my birthday. Or I think it actually might have been Father's Day last year that I haven't been using that I need to get using yet. So, yeah. But let's take a quick break for a commercial. 
because everyone who listens to this knows that I'm really horrible about the commercials, so we're actually going to do it this time. So we're going to take a quick break from the first commercial, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what it was like after, you know, where we hit that, that halfway mark and what it was like after. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors, if you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. All right, so we're back from commercial, and that's one thing that you know I want to look into is the GH unders. I need I need to get me a good set of GH unders for the Seattle Marathon. I don't think I mean it was warm enough on this one. I don't think I would have really needed them, but I think on the Seattle race I'm going to need some GH unders. Definitely need GH unders. So yeah, that's uh, Seattle being December first. We're going to have to really look at some lightweight, good insulation, and uh, and what we can do to to be able to to carry it while still dropping it because we're not going to drop, you know, a $60 insulate jacket or something on the side of the road like some of those marathon guys do. No, uh, and that's what you see a lot of times what they'll do is honestly, and I know rock and roll used to do it, and I think Seattle might do it too, is pretty much they had like a special thing where there was a drop-off point in the race where a lot of people literally go to Goodwill and grab a hoodie, grab whatever for cheap, and then there was a spot in the race where if you threw it there, they would pick it all up. And then they would donate it. And yeah, that's a that's a good thing to do. But uh, with the the rate in which we go, we probably won't be peeling too much off. I'm guessing. No. Um, and if and if we do, you know, I'll probably bring a pack again. I mean, that's you talked about that a little bit at the beginning that uh, that maybe you wouldn't bring a pack on the next tunnel marathon. Uh, but I carried Seattle, the pack. Right? Yeah, but I carried the pack, and it was 26 miles with an extra give or take 10 pounds on my back. So. That was uh, definitely a, a little bit of challenge to carry that when we really didn't need to, and next time that will be helpful because we know we don't need to. Yeah, so in the tunnel marathon, I'd say we don't need to. On Seattle, though, I mean, my experience in Seattle last time, we would need it. Seattle had, what, I think three three water and goose, three water stops to the entire race. Uh, there was but more than three, but, but they were definitely spread out a lot more, and last year I was a, a course marshal and on that course and the North course is 500 times better than the South course. Um, the year that we went was the first year that they didn't have the I-90 crossing because yeah. of the new uh, light, light rail train that we're putting on a floating bridge. Cause that's a great idea. But uh, so they lost that and then they had to, to reroute it. So they went down through, Rainier Beach and the Genesee Park and, and, and all throughout that area. And, you know, I heard it from some of the people passing us or talking to us or online afterwards, you know, it was a, it ended up being kind of a horrible course because it was uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, uphill, downhill, just back yeah. and forth over the hill. And every park they went through, it was just thousands of homeless with tents everywhere. And, you know, it was like anything they could do to show how bad Seattle was and, and, uh, when they switched it last year to the North Trail, they went up and used the Burke Gilman Trail up through uh, UW, and they went up and down uh, through Ballard a bit. Um, and it was just a lot flatter, faster, cleaner course. Um, you still had to go yeah. um, up and down the hill to get on and off the Aurora Bridge. Um, so there's a little bit of a hill going on and off of that, and then coming in and out of the actual uh, – the Seattle Center itself, of course, because it's on a hill there. But uh, most of the course is just flat and, and beautiful views. And as where, you know, before it was a kind of a, a niche race where you could run out across I-90 and back. And that was something that, you know, people flew all over from the world because they thought they'd you know, never see that and do that. Yep. And then, uh, you know, then they rerouted it uh, poorly one year and, uh, and it only stuck for one year because I think that there was just that much feedback that, uh, that the course was not acceptable. And, uh, and then they went the other and way. That was I mean, the year we did they changed, Yeah. They, they do change the course a little bit every year. Um, I've looked at the maps from a few years, and, and there is some changes, but uh, I think that was just a transition year where they didn't know what they wanted to do because they lost I-90. Um, yeah, and that's one of the things is I, I do – I am upset that I missed the I-90 bridge because I have done – and I want to do the Narrows so I can go over the Narrows bridge – 
But I've gone over 520. When they first opened the new 520, when they redid it, I went over that and did that race. I've done the, you know, the viaduct before it got closed, like a yeah. couple times before the, the the viaduct, you know, tunnel race. I've never done 90. I've never, I've done 90, like for work, I've walked across 90 and back a couple times because I did job walks, you know, and safety walks on it, but I've never done it as a run. Yep. Um, I've actually, uh, for work, I've been in the I-90 pontoons for work. I've actually been inside the I-90 pontoons, which is very weird, but yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I was looking at races and, uh, I was real upset about the timing of it because the same weekend as, uh, Spartan Seattle North next year. It's the same weekend as the uh, Rock and Roll Marathon San Francisco, where you get to run the Golden Gate Bridge. And I was thinking that would be kind of a cool one to drive down and do, because um, April 4th, 5th, that weekend, would be you know a good drive. And then Spartan ended up the same weekend. Yeah. But see, run, running the hoping, Golden Gate Bridge. I, see, I want to do the Vegas race, but it's very weird because Vegas Rock and Roll is at night. And that's very weird on the, like, the getting ready for it, because it's like... You wake up, you eat, you do everything, and then you go race afterwards. I've done a couple of races where, like, 8Ks and 15Ks at night, and it really messes with you doing it in the afternoon. So I think a half marathon or a marathon at night would be weird. But I've heard the Vegas one's really cool because you run down the strip. That'd be kind of cool. So uh, That would be. So, but that, one, that one's in November. So we got to, the, like, the, the halfway point, and we're both still feeling pretty good at that point. So kind of what was your take to that point? Uh, so we got to the half half marathon point and uh, the checkpoint there. And, you know, at the time, I kind of took it the wrong way, but the race director was there. And he was challenging us, telling us that we weren't going to make time and, uh, and that we should probably just take a ride back. And, you know, they're shutting down the course and all that stuff. And, uh, and you know, I was looking at my watch and I'm like, dude, you're on crack. I got plenty of time. We got four hours to, to finish this or three hours to finish it. We only got uh, only got 13 miles to go. We're not giving up. And we just kept pressing on. Um, at that point, uh, your yo-yo was starting to slow down. Um, yeah. The yo-yo run, is, as we call it now. Running with Mike. It's, it's like yo-yo running with Mike. a yo-yo. Yep. Whatever. You like uh, my yo-yo. Yeah. What about my dingling? No. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so at that point, you know, we're we're still going. The course flattens out a little bit more at that point, I think. I don't know if you felt that way too. I mean, realistically I didn't notice the uh the actual descent that we were on for the most part. It just kinda of felt natural. Yeah. But but at that point it kind of felt like it flattened out to me. And it did. It felt like that to me too. It could have also just been that at that point our bodies are like, you know, hey, you know, you're 13 miles into this, uh, you might feel a little fatigued now. I don't know, but at that point, you know, we're we're feeling like it's a little flatter. Um, you know, I know for me, I'm just sitting there looking at my watch. I keep talking about pace, talking about pace. They're reminding you that you can do it, buddy. Let's get the get jog up here, you know, stuff like that. You know, because we're starting to we're starting to slow down, and uh, I think that's yeah. kind of what the the race director's point now was, uh, hey, you're at the halfway point. Fatigue's going to hit in soon. And, uh, yeah. and it did. We started to slow down. Well, and I think, too, partly, I mean, really kind of, I mean, especially being that I talked to the guy later, is I, I don't know if he was trying to discourage us. I think it was more he was trying to give us that, like, like inform us to say, hey, you're at the halfway point. You're not, you know, at this point, it's not looking like you're going to make the cut. But, you know, I mean, because he didn't really try to stop us. It wasn't like, you're not going to make it. You should stop here. It was just like, you know, hey, just so you know, you know. Yeah, it, it just it didn't feel – um, the Seattle Marathon, even though we were super-duper slow and, and barely shuffling our feet at points, people were still just kind of cheering us on every time we came around the corner. Yeah. So I was kind of expecting that when I came up on there. Because even earlier in the, the Tunnel Marathon, earlier on, we were getting, you know, the rah-rah from people and, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. You're not, you're not that far behind. Yeah. You're keeping good pace. Keep it up. And, and that was the first time, I think, in a – in a race like that where someone looked at me and said, you're not going to make it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to make it. Um, so at, at the end, it was funny because I was actually talking to a couple of the gals at the race line or the finish line. And they're like, yeah, we wait for the last racer every time. You know, yeah. He doesn't actually shut and, it down. We'll still key in your time. And that was the thing too, because I mean, I ran into the guy later once I hit, you know, 
and we'll get farther into like the the end of the race. But once I hit about the twenty mile mark, twenty two miles, when my body had pretty much been like, "You're done. You should have quit already." And I'm like, "No, I'm still going." And he came up to me, and he's like, he caught up, and I looked at him like, and I kind of looked like, "Are you about to pull me?" And he's like, "You're doing great. Your time's fine. Just go for it. Keep going." You know, and he was totally fine at that point. And I think it was almost kind of a not to sound bad, but you know, a lot of people have that challenge where they're like, "Okay." His mind, he's like, I'm going to give these guys the option. Either they can keep going and challenge me, or they can quit, and I'm going to give them the option. And that's kind of how I took it. Like, he's like, hey, you're at this point. This is where you're at. If you want to quit, here's your option to quit. But if you have the, you know, cojones, and you want to keep going, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like your your Hammond story from Montana, where you know, he's sweeping the yeah. course, and there you are. 12 hours in, and you're like, nope, we got this. He's like, you're the only person that's actually said that. I'm going to go with you. So yeah. that was, uh, and that's kind of how I that took was it. Probably, yeah. And, you know, for me, that last 13 miles, uh, you know, we, we, we're cruising along. We're slowing down. We're, you know, slowing down quite a bit in places. And, uh, you know, honestly, somewhere around 18 miles, you know, I was getting in my own head, and, and, yeah. and my feet just my feet just kind of said it's either go or don't, and then my feet started taking me. And yeah. uh, that was kind of a weird spot because uh, you know, Seattle Marathon sat there hand-in-hand hand basically to 22 miles until I collapsed. And then uh, yeah. at this tunnel marathon, you know, I, I kind of got to that point where it's either I speed up or I'm not going to finish. Yeah, And that's, I think that's kind of what was happening with my feet there because, you know, all of a sudden, I look back, and there's no more yo-yoing Mike. I'm just out on the trail alone. And I waited for a couple of seconds, and I couldn't hear the, the little uh, gator truck or anything. And like, huh, yep. I wonder if he stopped. And I was just like, I can't wait to find out. And uh, well, at the end of the race, the EMT that was back there uh, driving the gator was like, yeah, you know, you're just there one minute. I thought you took someone's bike or something because you were gone. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what it was. I mean, it was just one thing I kind of, you were up ahead and it was like, and it's kind of one of the things in Spartans, I do this, I'll do this sometimes, where as long as I can see the person in front of me, I'm okay. And then all of a sudden it was like, I came around one of the corners and there was the straightaway and you were just weren't there. It was like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and it was one of those things and I got it. It was, you know, I wasn't really, you know, really upset about it. I mean, I got it. I mean, you, you hit that point where you have to go. And it's usually about the 18 to 20 mile mark. And I've said it on the, the episodes, you know, many times. And I know sometimes it's, you know, kind of busting your balls. But, you know, there's that 18 to 20 mile mark where pretty much it becomes completely mental after that. Where pretty much it's all in your head. Ooh, what's that? But it's all in your head. You have to pretty much decide if you're going to make it. You know, and that was it. I mean, you hit that point where in your head you're like, if I don't start just going now, I'm not going to make it. And I got that. So, I mean, I had I had my, my EMT with me. So, because that's yeah. one thing we didn't and mention. About the, third, uh, say about the halfway point, once we crossed there, the EMTs just started following us in their gator. Like, literally, like, right behind us. I felt like, if you've ever read the Richard Bachman book, The Long Walk, that's kind of what I felt like. Like, if I stepped off the trail, they were going to shoot me. But... You know, and that's how my brain works, and that actually was, like, motivation for me is just thinking about the book, The Long Walk. If you've never read it, read it. It's a good one. But, uh, um, so, yeah, we had our own our own paramedic, our EMTs for a while, starting at 13 miles, and it was probably about mile, what, like 16 or 17? Uh, Monet, which I got to meet and talk to her quite a bit, she got out of the gator and started walking and was, like, right behind us. Yeah. And just walking along with us. And then once, you know, Dawn, you, you know, got ahead, she pretty much just stayed with me the whole time and talked to me. And, you know, I posted the thing on Facebook, and I think a few people thought it was a joke. No, literally, I had my own EMT for pretty much half the race. Yeah, 13 miles, we got the sweeper with us. And the other thing that changed right about there, and, and I guess it's something to talk about, is is we came into basically a clearing for the next what, probably six, seven miles where we're out in the straight sun. Um, yeah. all, all the areas that the guys were rock climbing and everything. So so here we are starting to get further into the race, starting to get a little bit tired, getting told that we're not going to make time, so we need to speed it up. And we're in direct sunlight now, and it's heating up our bodies on top of that. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, that, that tried to work against us. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, 
we both got a really cool medal out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was kind of my thing is, I mean, I hit that point where, you know, it was like about after 13th once we came out of, you know, out into the sun and we didn't come back. And I think it's just because of the time of the day the sun had come around. And we were out in the sun the whole time, and that made it a little bit hotter, a little bit diff- more difficult. And my body, I could tell, was starting to basically fight back and say, I don't want to do this, you know. And that was kind of, you know, when you started getting ahead, I couldn't, like I had, like I was telling you, I've never had a cramp in a race except for like one time. And it was like for 30 seconds, then it was gone. My, it was probably about mile 14 or 15. All of a sudden my left cramp, my left calf started to cramp, but it never, it never fully cramped. It was just, I was getting those twinges. Like every time I tried to jog, I would get like five or six steps. And then I'd start getting that twinge that was like, Hey, you're about to, you know, Anybody who's gotten cramps before knows that twinge. So I was getting that twinge in my calf that was telling me I was going to cramp. So I was doing everything I could to try and keep that cramp from happening and everything else. And, I mean, I was – it was tough. And that's kind of, I think, what started taking a little bit of – what are you doing, weirdo? Um, started taking a little bit out of me was that, uh, you know, the, the cramp, you know, my, my leg trying to cramp, everything else, and I was trying to fight that. And then after you stepped away and gotten ahead of me, it was probably about mile 21 or 22. I stepped on a rock and my my knee twisted, you know, but I was still like, oh, whatever, I'm, you know, I passed that 20 mile mark. I can't give up now. I've got to go. I've, I've made fun of you too many times for passing the, the 20 mile mark and not being able to do it. It's like, I can't quit at this point. If I have to crawl, I'm doing this stupid shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Now that was, that was amazing. The, uh, the way that it kind of went at the end there, uh, you know, once I, just kind of had to take off. Uh, I actually basically ran for a mile at one point just because I was trying to make time. And I kept looking at my watch yeah. and counting minutes and trying to figure out what pace I had to keep. I reset my my uh, timer so that I could figure out my pace again because, you know, we figured out that that extra mile magically appeared somewhere in there. Um, yep. And so I think I, re- I reset it at 16 miles, which, you know, we I still ascertained that their mileage was just not lining up with mine so i don't know if it was just because my counter or what but uh you know as i as i decided to just run ahead randomly um i caught up to that next person that was a quarter mile ahead of us and she's just kind of trucking along and you know we compared uh mileage and and she agreed also that the mileage was not quite lining up because <laughs> she had a different brand tracker than either of us and uh yeah and then i just sat there and talked to her for the next six miles because I think I caught up to her around 20. Yeah, and it it was tough. I mean, it was a tough one. I mean, there was one part, which I think if it would have been, I would have been with more people, it would have been as confusing. When you first came down into that park, there wasn't a lot of, like, there was good directions getting to into the park, but once you came down into it, it was kind of confusing for a minute. I'm like, am I just supposed to keep along the trail or what? But other yeah. than that, I mean, it was good. Yeah, I mean, was... you know, I had the... I had the race director, you know, catch up to him about 22, and he's just like, you're doing great. Just keep going. You're doing awesome, you know. So, I mean, that was that was a good – that was a must It was, you know, good for me, too. Because, I mean, I was literally, you know, walking with Monet, and then every once in a while I would turn around and look, and I could see their cars driving behind me, like pretty much like yeah. picking up the course behind me. So, that yep. kind of way. And then you get to that – got to that last water station and there's nobody there. There's just a table with some water on it. I don't know if it was like that yep. when you got there, but uh, yep. it's like, wow, they, they've pretty much torn down. They've all gone home and it's just us in the race course. Pretty much. And, uh, you know, we hit that 26 mile part where you run back under the freeway there or whatever that was. Um, now I could see the finish line and, uh, and I wanted to, to speed up, but, uh, but my body just wasn't happening. So I just kind of, Kept at that same probably 17 mile minute pace and and uh, and kept going and got to that finish line and got my medal and fought back some tears because that was a hell of a hell of an accomplishment yeah. for me. Um, had a couple of minutes to had a couple minutes there to, to drink some Gatorade and water and uh, and then I just grabbed a chair and sat right there at the finish line waiting until I could see you. Yeah, which was amazing. I mean, when I came around. Because, like I said, you hit that last, you know, water station, and I knew it was the 24, and I saw the 25, and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm almost there. When we hit 26, Monet was a little bit in front of me, and she's pointing at it like, this is it. And I'm looking up ahead, and I'm like, is that, is that the finish? And she's like, yeah, you're there. You're almost there. And that's when I could see you start coming down. 
to where I was at, and it was just like you, all the emotions come over you. It's like, oh my god, it's almost over. I've done this. I've done it again. So yeah, it was it was crazy. So and I mean, they were waiting for me. They were there. They're cheering me on. Um, there was you know the oh there was the the volunteers there telling you how great you were doing, you know, and all that stuff and trying to help you out. They had the the water, they had a big giant water pool full of ice that you could jump into. When I got there, she's like, you probably don't want to get in that. It's probably warm and disgusting. So she just grabbed the, like, water cooler and walked over and dumped it over my head. So, which was, at that point, was awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that definitely would have, been, would have felt nice. Uh, but, you know, I didn't even think about that. Just grabbed a couple of waters, drank them, sat there and, uh, and thought about the accomplishment that I made and spent a couple minutes in my head trying to trying to just realize what I had finished. Um, you know, for me, that failure at Seattle, that's the only only race I've ever DNF'd. And yeah. that one has just sat there rubbing on me the last two years, you know, reminding me every time I do a race, you know, that at the Montana Beast, I was um I'm not sure if it was just uh the medication change or if I was actually sick or what, but uh but shit, half mile into that race, I was already winded, and I spent the next, you know, what was it, 18 more miles because they were Spartan miles. But in reality, it was like an 18 yeah. mile race. But I ended up, oh, yeah. you know, spending the whole spending the whole race winded and delirious. Um, I think when we got back from that, Jody was talking to everybody about how delirious I was, <laughs> out of my mind, trying not to throw up and not able to drink anything. And yeah, it was it was a bad race for me. Uh, so because of that, I got to come back and beat my time by an hour next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. The thing is, I mean, you know, everyone knows. You know, the only race I've ever DNF was, you know, Hawaii Beast. And I mean, I went back to next year and did it and got sick again, but I finished it. But it's that's the hardest thing on you is to, to DNF a race, you know. And then that's the thing that killed me last year was I was, you know, Hawaii. That was supposed to be my redemption from, you know, DNFing and then getting sick and then, you know, everything else. And then all of a sudden the the hurricane hit, but this year is going to be my, my redemption in Hawaii. And then in December 1st, the day before my birthday, I get redemption in, uh, on Seattle Marathon. So I think it's more I'm dragging you through my redemption so I can go get my damn Seattle yeah, no. medal. <laughs> yeah. No. But, uh, you know, it's the 50th, 50th anniversary. That only happens once. So all right, good. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's a special one. Yeah, hopefully. It should be a good one. And then, you know, we're already talking about next year doing the, the, the tunnel marathon. So. Anybody who's listening to this who's interested in the Tunnel Marathon, look it up. Get onto their, their email newsletter list. It sells out quick. I mean, I think pretty much dawn, but it came out. The day it came out, it was sold out before the end of the day. So, yeah, and then the, the, only way you can get in after, the only way you can get in after that is either that you're a previous volunteer or if you sign up as a, I'm trying to remember what they call it, it's a, a friend of Casey or something like that. That's a special, special one where you're making a three hundred dollar donation on top of your um, yeah. your entry fee. So that's uh, that's one that's a little little tough to swallow. Five hundred bucks to go to a, a marathon. Um, yeah, but uh, but that's that's what you got to do sometimes if you're if you're late to the game. Yeah, I friends. guess uh, uh, somebody does. Sorry, friends of Quinn. A lot. Friends of Quinn. Yeah, that's. That's what happens when they all do that. Yeah, Friends of Quinn. They have uh, looks like a hundred of those entries. It's three hundred and nine dollars an entry. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the one where I think uh, Kyle or somebody said, "Oh yeah, I thought about signing up, and then I saw it was three hundred bucks." And I said, "Forget that." Yeah. Because that was the only so, only I mean, entries I, that were left was VIP and that. So. Which I think was good. I mean, being that it was me. I mean, not sound bad. I mean, love you, Kyle. Love everybody else. But it was mine and your. Your mine, your thing to be, you know. I mean, Emily being there was um, cool, but I mean, it, it was mine and your. It was our demon to be. So, yeah. and you know, as you recall, the, the, the Seattle Marathon was uh, your do it by the 40th birthday bucket list, and uh, I just turned 40 a couple months ago, and uh, and then I had to go beat my own marathon. Yeah. So, and it was one of the things too. Is, I mean, I, I was really glad I got to be with you on this one. I mean, I've been hurting finally today. I can walk, but, you know, I still have the, the blisters, but they're feeling better. But other than that, I mean, it's I, I'm proud of myself. I'm glad I did it, and I definitely want to do another one. Good. That's the, the plan. But, um, go ahead. Don't tell anyone I want to do another one now. So. 
It's our secret. Well, you know, I'm just going to keep, I'm just gonna probably keep signing you up for them and make you do them. Yeah, I no, know. Um, That's kind of how it works. Uh, I'd like to get Will out on a couple of these endurance ones. Uh, you know, he's working real hard at losing weight and, and getting yeah. healthier. He just doesn't like going fast. No, um, and I think the one thing so, is we might want to, we might want to look at, you know, getting Will on some of the, like, the 10Ks, the 15Ks, maybe work him up. You know, do a half marathon. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the thing is, I mean, I did five half marathons before I did my first marathon. You've never done a half. Yeah, I just was going on I don't even think I'd done yeah. a 10K before then. Now, no. we do have him signed up for the, the Wicked Trail Race 10K with us since uh, yeah. since Green Beret modified it and went into the Wicked Trail, which uh, I don't know if you've checked out the, the videos and, and pictures from the Wicked Trail Races in, in Atlanta. No, no, not yeah. Before here. You need to. No, not um, yet. I need to. And I don't know if you reached out to Mark Ballas, but that might be a good thing, too, because that, that race looks like a lot of fun. I think uh, you and I and Kyle and, and uh, Will, Team Beastnet Podcast, yep. um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun on that one. Uh, you know, and just recapping that, that tunnel marathon, re- recapping that marathon today, you know, it's it's not even a week later, and I'm, I'm ready to go do another one because that one felt really good when it finished. It did. And I'm definitely ready to go to another one. The only thing I got to do is I've got to make sure I got to figure out why my feet did what they did and fix that. So I got to make sure that's not going to happen again. I mean, you know, like I said, right now, if I wear shoes, it hurts like heck. If I don't wear shoes, I'm pretty much okay. But I mean, they kind of look at you funny when you walk around an office building with no shoes on. So, or when you're teaching, that was fun. I was teaching an OSHA class last night, walking around with no shoes on. I'm like, just deal with it, people. We're not on the job today. <laughs> there you go. As long as you don't stub your toe or something, and then they tell you that's why you wear closed-toe shoes in all environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. So, is there anything else you want to say in, in closing? I think we're with the, the two pieces. We're over an hour. So, yeah. No, I mean the the thing is, uh, yeah, I talked about it with uh, the lady that was finishing the crossing line with me. You know, ninety-nine percent of the world is not going to do it. You beat 99% yeah. of the world, whether it's doing a marathon, doing a 5K, you know, whatever you're doing, if you're getting up and moving, you're doing better than 99% of everyone else. Um, no, so that's, that's, uh, that's something morning, I say a lot. So. Yeah, tomorrow morning, I'll be back out there, whether it's with a group of guys or by myself. Uh, I'm going to go and put another probably 10 miles on my feet and, uh, and just keep doing it because as long as I'm moving, I'm not dead. Exactly. So and for anybody that wants to, Message me or Don if you live in the South Hill area, if you want to start joining us on these excursions that we have on Saturday mornings. So sometimes they're Sunday, but usually Saturday or Sunday morning on a weekend. So let us know. Yep. Um, you know, like, like you said, I mean, it's something I say a lot on the podcast. Everyone who got up and started that race beat everybody who did it, whether you finished or not. Whether you're me who literally, I was literally the last person to cross that finish line. But I still beat every single person who didn't start. Yep. And that's what a lot of people have to remember. You know, everyone talks about, you know, participation trophies and all that kind of stuff. And I've never looked at these medals as participation trophies. These aren't participation trophies. When you get these medals, the Spartan medals, the marathon medals, everything else, these are not participation trophies. These are finishing trophies. They're finishing finishers medals. You went out and did what 99% of the, the nation, 99% of the world will not do. And you went out and did it, and you deserve your finisher's medal to say, hey, you did this. You finished. So don't ever let anybody tell you that they're participation trophy. So They hand out the, the medal and the shirt at the end of the race because you did it, not because you started it, because you did it. Yeah. And that's so. it. In my mind, a participation trophy would be they would hand it for you, to you when you signed up, a finisher's yep. medal is you finish the race. You did it. You did what 99% of the, the world will not do. You got up. You did a marathon. You did a Spartan, even a 5K. There's so many people that are afraid to get off their couch and do a simple 5K. You get off and you get up and do it. You deserve that. Wear it proudly. Display it proudly. Love it. I have an entire wall full of medals that really the only person who gets the team is my family and me. And that's so that when I'm feeling down on myself and I feel like I can't do something, I look at that wall and say, okay, over the last 10 years, I've earned all of those months. I can do stuff. So, exactly. In that, I think that's a great closing note. That is a great closing note. So thank you, Don. It's been fun. Um, I still hate you at the moment, but 
I'll get over that soon. I think maybe. So. Yeah, you know, I'll see, I'll see you. Su- I'll see you Sunday because you're going to show up to that 5K, whether or not you're wearing shoes. I don't care. Oh yeah, I'll be there. It'll be interesting, but yeah, I'll be there. All right. All right. Well, thank you, yes, and sir. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast, brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at BeastOCR.com.